0: So I'm so thankful for everyone who's been involved in this service, our worship team, our readings team, our tech team and stuff. Thank you so much for everything you've done. And I say all that, now I have to hope that you'll forgive me because I'm going to try to add just a little something to all the wonderful things you've already done um, here tonight. Um, I want to add another door if you will. Not a literal door, of course, but just at least a passage that fits in so well with our door and with our themes and everything that's been going on here tonight. I'm going to be nice, though. I'm not going to try to drag the door back out. Vigil reading team, you can just stay seated. We won't make you ad lib anything at this point. Um, But as we was thinking about all of this, this passage just really pulled everything together for me, and I think it's been helpful, so I hope it's helpful for you. I'm just going to give you two verses from John 10. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out, out, in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, I know, I know, that passage sort of fits so well with everything that we've been doing tonight that it's almost too obvious. I struggled just a little bit with that part of things as I was trying to think about this, about using this. But I kept coming back to the passages. I looked at the script a little bit, and I just kept coming back to these verses from John. And I've actually really found a reminder here that I needed, and I hope it's helpful for you. So just to clarify a little bit, this quick moment from the Gospel of John, um, Jesus is actually comparing himself first here to a shepherd. He's a shepherd who, once his sheep are in the pen at night, he's lying down at the gate. Maybe he's actually lying down as the gate of the pen. So then nothing can get in or out of the sheep pen without his knowing. It's actually so he can protect his sheep. It's pretty vulnerable. Um, if you know He's putting himself between any wild animals, thieves, anything that would be coming after his flock. I hope we see Good Friday in that as he says this, as he laid down his life for us. But then Jesus moves in this... Uh, metaphor and he grows this thing beyond just this shepherd and he says that if anyone enters by him they will be saved now he's positioning himself as the entry point for salvation itself this is so much bigger than just a shepherd with sheep obviously And then he says those who enter by him even find abundant life in him in this brief reading, Jesus says he's the door. He's the entrance to salvation and to abundant life. And I think we've seen both of those things throughout our readings tonight, salvation and abundant life. I actually think they've been very regularly tied with the door. Um, so that's what I want to just think about a little bit more with you here tonight. First, Jesus saves. It is true. It's a, hey, nice job. This is a vigil. You can say amen. I'll be okay with that. We'll figure it out. Jesus saves. It's true. It's amazing. Jesus brings us salvation, and that is central to our whole faith, to all of our lives. Sometimes, though, something that is this central for us can just start to lose a little bit of meaning. It can be something that we think about so much, we say so much, we start doing it kind of fast. We kind of just make it a space holder. We just move past it, and then it becomes something that's nice that we know, kind of like we say, well, the sky is blue. It's still true, but at that point, It doesn't have the meaning it's no longer life changing but we need this and we need it to be life changing we need jesus to save because we all followed adam and eve in choosing sin we all chose something other than god we've made gods of what is not god maybe sometimes you actually think about this and you say i'm not really that bad of a person though That's not the main point here. The point is that we still all turned our backs on God and we took our own path. And when we turn away from God, we turn away from life, from love, from goodness. Without God, we find before us only death. Without God, there is no hope. There's nothing we can do. There's no way for us to fix things on our own. Without God, our only possible end is our own destruction. We see maybe some glimpses of what could have been in our readings tonight. We think of this. Noah and his family, they could never stand against such a great flood. Moses and the Israelites were trapped between a sea and the best army in the world. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could never survive those flames. The guards died. But none of them were left to face these problems on their own. They were not left to to the certain destruction. It's because God acted. He saved them. He gave them refuge from the flood, escape from the army, protection from the flames. He fought for them. He fights for us also, though. God has also acted to save us. But he does this so much more fully than simply snatching us out of the fire or destroying an army. Jesus hasn't simply saved us from an external and momentary threat. He has saved us from the sin and death that are constantly at work within us and around us. Through his own death and resurrection, Jesus has brought us salvation. Our sins have been dealt with, death defeated, and we can know forgiveness, love, and life in him. I know that so many of us here tonight, we have known Jesus' salvation. We have the joy of knowing him as the door by which we've entered into life. In him, we've been forgiven. We've been made alive to God. We've been given a heart of flesh and have true life in him. And then maybe some of us here, Maybe we haven't actually walked yet through this open door of salvation. Maybe we haven't known Jesus' grace and forgiveness yet. I really hope that changes for you. I pray it changes. It can change right now. We can always turn to Christ, find him waiting in love with grace and forgiveness. We can walk through that door to salvation and that life that he offers even tonight. And then as we enter that salvation with all of us, We will also know the abundant life that Jesus gives. That's the second promise I just want us to think about here. Jesus promises that through him we'll find not just our lives, but we'll find abundant life. The type of promise that always stirs me up. It sounds so exciting. I hope it strikes you too. I kind of hope when you hear that, that a bunch of ideas start popping into your mind about what that means, what this abundant life with Jesus might look like. But then let's take a step back for a second are my ideas of abundant life, what Jesus is saying here? What does he consider abundant life? To start, we must make sure we realize the abundant life that Jesus promises, it can't be separated from the salvation life that Jesus offers us. Foundationally, the abundant life Jesus promises is salvation from sin and death. It is forgiveness. It is being reconciled with God. And I know I just talked about those things a minute ago. Um, But sometimes I think, at least when I think about abundant life, I start to look at my own life and I say, really? With all this mess, with these problems that I experience, where is the abundant life that I've been promised? If this is something we're supposed to have, when do I get it? Or maybe we wonder about the definitions of abundant life that we encounter throughout our lives and our culture. What about all the stuff that advertising is promising will make life better? What about just an easy, simple life without suffering? what about happiness all the time never interrupted by sadness this isn't what jesus is promising to us here though not yet anyway there will come a time when all suffering and sadness and things like that that ends and that really matters but there's still something more central to the life that jesus is promising and that is life with god Salvation means an end to sin's hold over us. It means real forgiveness. It means freedom from the power of death. But it means all of that so that we can get to life and relationship with God. That is abundant life. We can know God now. We can speak with him now. We can see him active in our lives. These are things that we did not have before salvation has come. But these are things that we need, that we are made for before all else. Living, loving relationship with our Creator Zeph and I are reading tonight. It's one of my favorite passages that just describes so beautifully what salvation and abundant life with God is. Just one spot of it said, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. So the Lord is with us. He saves us. And then for a moment, just bask in the love that he has for us. He rejoices over us. He exalts over us with singing. No one actually sings over me normally, um, but he does. He even quiets us. He calms us with his love. This is the abundant life we are offered right now. It's not a life without problems, but it's a life with this amazing God who loves us more than we could ever ask or imagine. So start there. If we've been saved by Christ, we have the most important part of this abundant life right now. We have relationship with God. We're known by him. He's known by us. Jesus does have a bit more on his mind, though, as he's talking about abundant life. Again, it's not separate from salvation. It's just another piece of the salvation he's giving. Actually, even just in these quick verses from John 10, I think Jesus is giving us two more ideas about abundant life. And these ideas are really present throughout the readings tonight as well. Let's just start by remembering what Jesus said. He said, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Actually, when Jesus says go in and out, kind of surprisingly, that's actually a little idiom. It's a little turn of phrase that has to do with being part of community. So Jesus is saying that when we've been saved by him, we're actually joined to community, to the redeemed community. Of course, that has been a major important part of the story for all through the night, and especially in these beautiful prophetic promises that we've seen, we've seen God is not working merely for individuals, but he's working for and among a community of people that he is forming. So with this, we need to remember that the salvation and abundant life that Jesus promises us includes each other. We're brought together by Christ's death and resurrection to support, encourage, challenge, pray for, give to, love each other. Jesus gives us himself, and he gives us his people who are called to love each other as he has loved us. Next, we're promised rest. Jesus says that we will find pasture. Or maybe you don't like the sheep metaphor that much. Maybe the nice green field of grass isn't too appealing, at least food-wise. Well, we also saw tonight that we're promised that we will be delighting ourselves in rich food. We'll be feasting freely with the Lord. These are images of provision, promises of safety and care. It's about finding rest with God watching over us. And there is rest that we know in Christ right now. It's a rest from striving to be good enough because we recognize Christ is good enough. It's a rest from our shame, our guilt, our grief when we find his real and deep unending forgiveness. It's rest from the fear of death because Christ defeated this great enemy. And it's rest in his presence. We're in right relationship with God. We can know and rest in him. His promise of rest, though, it also starts to remind us of that ultimate rest that he has promised. There will be a day when we will stand before God and he will wipe away all of our tears. And there will just not be any death anymore. There will no longer be any grief or mourning There will be a day when all things are new and we will live in eternal rest with this amazing God forever. And of course, in that day, we will know more clearly the fullness of our salvation. We'll experience more completely the gift of knowing and loving God. We'll even begin to understand much more truly just how great the gift of this people we've been given really is. But for now, while we do look for, while we wait for the fullness of salvation and abundant life... We still know salvation that Jesus has brought us, the life he's given us. It is true life. It's not like anything else we can find in this world. We know his love, his rest, the people he has gifted to us. Christ has died. Christ is risen, and he has opened to all of us the way of salvation and true abundant life. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your death and resurrection. We thank you that you have made yourself our doorway to life. Um, We ask that you call us always in and through. Um, Remind us of your welcome. Um, Fill us with joy always. Amen.